It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. Let's begin over in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. How many have been meditating on the Word this week? Anybody? Anybody knows when you're supposed to meditate on the Word? The Bible says day and night. Amen? Day and night. It's amazing when you meditate upon the Word, how the Word becomes real. The Word, the word becomes rich. And it's amazing. Uh, you know, many times you just look at the, the Word on the page and uh, it seems difficult many times for your, uh, for your mind to accept it. But if you meditate upon it, then it, it's amazing how acceptable the Word becomes. That's because of what we kind of mentioned at the end of the class, uh, that meditation being the digestive element of, of uh, having the Word of God drop into your spirit. That's how it happens, through meditation. So always, you know, pick scriptures every day and meditate upon them. Uh, turn them over and over in your mind. Uh, uh, you know, allow the light of the Word of God to come as you meditate, and it's amazing how they'll just become a part of you. Amen. Uh, now today, we're just, I just kind of felt in my spirit to, uh, to, to, to do this this morning. Uh, verse 16, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now notice that word profitable. Everybody say profitable. Now notice it's profitable. What is it profitable for? What's well, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Now, what is its purpose? Now, the next scripture uh, reveals its purpose, that the man or the woman of God may be perfect. Actually, that, a better word for that word perfect is the word mature, and, and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, now, the problem with a lot of Christians, they're just not thoroughly furnished. Everybody say thoroughly furnished. Now, I like it in the Amplified. It says every scripture is God-breathed. Everybody say God-breathed. Well, we know in the breath of God is the life of God. It is given by His inspiration. It is profitable for instruction and for reproof, conviction of sin, correction of error, discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will and thought, purpose, and action. Uh, uh, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, kind of dovetailing this in some of the stuff we're teaching on Sunday morning about the heart, there are some, some, some realities that you must understand in walking, walking and living in faith. And one of the main ones is this. The, when God brings you in, to a, to a revelation that causes faith to come that requires of you a confession and then obedience and action, uh, you, cannot, uh, you cannot depart from His instruction. There's nothing about faith you can do your way. It has to all be done His way. Now, that's very, you, I never realized how difficult that was till I started pastoring a church. No amens on that. You say, why is that? Because you have to gather people around you, and most people, uh, God will speak to them what to do, but then they want to go do it their way. And that really creates a problem when it comes to the corporate faith of a church is because that's where the friction begins. 
in, in, it's just like if God told you to do something, you say, okay, God, I'm going to go do it, and you go do it your way, and then wonder why you don't get any, good, get any results. Amen? And, and, and faith in receiving from God, faith is the same way. When God says, okay, you're believing me for a house, I'm going to give you a house. And so you just go off to do it your way, uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to work for you. Uh, uh, any material thing you're believing God for or a ministerial thing, a thing in your family, anything like that, you say, okay, I'm going to believe God. God gives you revelation in the Word, and then you go off to try to accomplish that. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because Jesus is the author, and He's also the finisher. He, you have to get all of your instruction and everything that you're going to do, how you're going to do it, what you're going to do, you've got to get it from Him. Because it only works one way, and it's not my way or your way. It only works God's way. And when it works God's way, you know, the children of Israel, they had specific instruction on exactly what to do when they came out of Egypt. They were to go to, 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 to the mount, to Sinai. They were to receive the law. Uh, they were to be there in the wilderness for a short period of time. Then they were to go in and possess the promised land. Amen. We're going to look at that in just a moment. They were to go in and possess the promised land, but all of a sudden... There was a 40-year interruption in that because people didn't want to do it that way. They just didn't want to do it that way. And not only did they not want to do it that way, they created a mindset in all of the people where in reality the only two that wanted to do it God's way were the only two of that generation that went in and possessed the promised land. Well, that shows you, you know, one thing you don't, that you really have to understand is you do not have time. You do not have time. God does. Let me say that again. You don't have time. God does. He can just step back and say, okay, go do your own thing. Waste five years. Waste ten years. Waste twenty. And I've seen people do that and just waste months and years trying to receive something from God and end up so mad and end up so frustrated. And where if they'd just gone and obeyed God the right way the first time, amen, that have gotten what they needed from God and been happy and gone on with their life. But they end up offended, mad at God, mad at preachers, mad at everything else. Oh, that stuff doesn't work. Yes, it does. It works the way it's designed to work. Just like everything else in life. See, why, do, why when we get over on spiritual things do we think we know something? Let me try that again. Why when we get over on spiritual things? We don't. We don't know anything. We're stuck in this natural realm with natural bodies. And the only connection we have to the spirit realm is with our human spirit, which is in the spirit realm, and the Word of God. So we're going to have to stick with what God imparts to our human spirit and the Word of God. Anything else is not going to work. It's just not going to work. You say, why? It was not designed that way. If you tried to use your car for a boat, So I'm going to go fishing, amen, and I'm gonna, they built this brand new ramp down here off 61st Street, and I'm going to take my, you know, 1975 Plymouth, and I'm going to drive it right off that ramp, and I'm going to go out there to Long Reef, and I'm going to fish out. You'll find out that your plan will be interrupted at the end of that ramp. You say, why? car's not designed for it. It's not designed for it. See what I'm saying? Now, the Word of God is designed, the Word of God is designed all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Word of God is designed to profit you. Now, if it's doing anything else, it's not being worked right. You say, what do you mean by that? There ought to be things in your life that you can point to and say, this is where the Word has profited me. 
This is where the Word has profited me in my mind. This is where the Word has profited me in my physical body. This is where the Word has profited me in my finances. This is where the Word has profited me in my family. This is where the Word has profited me in my ministry or business or at my job. This, I can show you right here, this is where the Word, I stood on the Word, I believed the Word, I received the revelation of the Word, I said it with my mouth, I acted upon it, and when I did, it profited me, it blessed me. Now, let me know what profit is. Profit is above a wage. A lot of people don't have any, how can I say this without, well, a lot of people have no familiarity with profit. They don't because everything's used up with the need. And there's nothing left. Profit is what's left over. Profit is the cream on the top. Profit is the gravy. Can I use that term? Profit is what gets built into your life because God can trust you with it. Now go to Hebrews. We'll meddle a little more. Go to Hebrews 4. We were in 2 Timothy. should be just a couple of pages away. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, this will help bring it out. Hebrews chapter 4, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Now, let's say a promise. Now, listen, a, we have a promise. The world has a promise of salvation. The day you received it, the promise became the gift for you. God gave us a promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago in the upper room. That promise was poured out, and now it's the gift. We have a promise of healing, but it remains in the promised realm until you receive it. It becomes a gift to you. You understand what I'm saying? You can get all the promises you want, but they'll sit on a shelf and never profit you at all until you do something about them. So, well, i got a promise of prosperity, but have you, have you profited by that promise? I've got a, prof, uh, a promise of healing. Have you profited by that? You understand? Now, notice what it says. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come up short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Everybody say, us and them. There's always going to be an us and them. But the word preached did not profit them. Now, if you go back and study into Hebrews, you see he's actually talking about the children of Israel at that time. They called it a time of provocation. They called it, called it the Exodus. There's all kinds of names that the Jewish people have for the coming out of Egypt. Now, at that time, the word was given to them. And actually, it was a very simple word. I have given you a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, anytime God talks to you about something like that, He never does it in the present tense. He always does it in the past tense. He doesn't come to you and say, says, I'm going to heal you. No, He says, I've already healed you. He doesn't say, I'm going to prosper you. He says, I've already done it. Amen. Uh, remember when Joshua stood up against the city of Jericho, that, that captain of the host of the Lord came and stood, and he said, see, I've given you the city. And Joshua could have turned and said, I don't see nothing. The city's still standing there. You can still drive uh, uh, three chariots abreast across the walls of it. It's still an armed city. I don't see anything. But see, God doesn't see things the way we see things. He already sees you blessed. He already sees you healed. He already sees you delivered. He already sees you prosperous 
And if you're not walking in that, you cannot blame God. You can't blame God. Amen. Now notice what it says. It did not profit them, but the word preached did not profit them. Now notice this. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now we know the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So is it possible to hear the word and the word not profit? Yes. It happens all the time. There are people that hear the word. The word goes into their spirit and by the time they get out the door, the devil has talked them out of it. That's why you got to figure out who's talking to you. Everybody say, who's talking to me? Those thoughts that come into your mind, those thoughts that rise up in your mind, especially that go contrary to the Word of God, you got to understand there is an origin and a source of that, and it's, and, it's, and it's designed to steal God's Word from your heart. He does not want that Word to profit you. Can I get a better amen? He want, listen, it's what He wants. He wants it, your adversary wants the Word to become void. Now notice what Jesus said over, I mean, excuse me, what the Word says over in Isaiah 55. Don't turn there. He says, so shall my Word be that goeth out from my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that where to it is sent. Now there's the pattern right there. You want the Word that goes forth out of your mouth to accomplish that where to it is sent. So if you speak a word against a sickness or a disease, you speak a word against poverty or debt, you speak a word against depression or addiction or affliction, you speak a word against that that is a word of God, it doesn't return void. It accomplishes. It sets the captive free. It heals the broken body. It blesses the person that needs blessing. It gives the breakthrough that is necessary. There are all types of ways in which God can supernaturally manifest His Word. But the enemy, your adversary, the devil, wants it to come back void. And you know what that is. Didn't work. It's not going to work. Never worked. Had never worked. Nobody's ever. All those, all that's lies. Nobody ever gets. That's all. No, that's, listen, you need to, you need to learn to identify your enemy when he's talking to you. And don't engage him in conversation. <laughs> Amen. Now notice what it says. For, the, for, for unto, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, the concept of the word and faith being mixed is literally the action or activity required from us in order to get that word to accomplish or to do what it says both here in this scripture and over in 2 Timothy 3.16 for the profit element of the word to come into existence. One of the, I guess one of the saddest, I guess, commentaries or observations of Christianity in America, we'll just use America today, is that so many churches preach a non-profiting word. They'll go and tell you, well, you know, God doesn't do those things anymore. God, God doesn't heal people anymore. God, and anybody that tell you that, he, uh, that He'll heal anybody, anybody that'll tell you He'll bless somebody's finances, anybody that'll tell you, uh, well, they're just wrong. They're, just, they're probably just out to get your money. They're just, you know, they just want to uh, confuse. Or, well, in reality, the, the whole time, the whole time, ever since God first in the beginning said, let there be light, the Word of God has been designed to profit. 
to not return void. We see it in creation and we see it in redemption and it should be in the church. Where the church is constantly in the prophet mode being profited by what the Word says because we mix it with faith. So, the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt with a physical demonstration of the ability of God. All ten of those those plagues were the judgment of God against the demon gods of Israel. Because see, Israel, they lived as slaves. you got to kind of get into their mind for a moment. They lived as slaves. They were beat down. They were were in all kinds of bondage. And they looked across, you know, they looked across where the Egyptians lived, and it looked like, well, my goodness, our God, their God's? Our God, their gods, we're living in, in garbage and trash and we're slaves and, and, and they've got wealth and jewels and gold and, and we serve them, they don't serve us. I mean, you know, it, it kind of, it uh, you know, their mentality over 400 years got warped when it came to the subject of God and they no longer, they no, no longer looked to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were kind of peeking across over to the Egyptians. Now, don't you think that their minds are being turned toward those type of gods? Because they worshiped the sun, they worshiped the moon, they worshiped insects and animals, they worshiped all kinds of crazy stuff. And God said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring judgment against each and every one of those gods. And when he did, he showed, he gave a visual illustration in their eyes. There's not but one God. It is the I am. And then when they came out, they came out, the Bible says, there was not one feeble one among them. And they spoiled the wealth of the Egyptians, took all their wealth, and left and took off. And here came Pharaoh pursuing him. And what did God do? God split the Red Sea, brought them over on the other side, shut the Red Sea over their enemies, and said, now let's go to Mount Sinai and get the, and, and get the word. And they made their first mistake by coming up to that mountain, and God wanted them all to draw near. And what did they do? They did something religious. Send the preacher. Let the preacher do it. So they did not have an experience with God. God was wanting them to have an experience with Him. And so Moses goes up, gets the law, and comes down, and it doesn't take them but a few days, and they're serving a stinking calf. And Joshua said it came out. No, it didn't come out. They made the thing. Amen? They made the thing. And now it came time, here, here they got all of that, you know, with all of the things that went on in that and the people that were killed by the plague and all that kind of stuff. They finally began to proceed over to Kadesh Barnea. And as they stood in Kadesh Barnea, God said to Moses, send 10 spies, send 12 spies, one from each tribe. Let them go spy out the land. Get ready. Make your plans. We're going to go in and possess the promised land. And here came 10 knuckleheads that could not see God and what God had said. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two that were ready to mix the word with faith and go in and possess the land. And for for an entire nation, the word did not profit them for 40 years till they all died in the wilderness and God raised up another generation of people that would obey His word by mixing it with faith. Now notice, It says, for we which have believed, verse 3, do enter into rest, as it is said, as I have sworn in my wrath, 
if they shall enter into my rest, everybody say my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, you've got to understand this. If this can get into your understanding, it's going to help you with faith. You say, what is that? God has already looked down the spoke of time in your life and made provision for you. Amen? Now, you either walk into that provision or you walk away from it. One of the saddest, saddest tragedies is watching people sit under the teaching of the Word of God year after year, month after month, week after week, and stay the same old, same old. And never get out of the dilemmas, the situations, the problems, all of the same old, you know, the same old poverty, the same old, uh, the same old anxiety, the same old... Listen, living a life of faith, Paul said it like this, it's from faith to faith and glory to glory. Not from trial and tribulation to trouble. And, and that's not the way it's designed to do. I've been accused many times. You just make it sound too good. It is too good. It is too good if you're willing to live it. Amen. So, mixing with faith. Everybody say, mixing with faith. Now, we know the simple principles of faith. Very simple. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The only source of God-given faith is the Word. If you want faith, go to the Word. Faith does not come from inspired testimonies. I've heard a lot of inspired testimonies. There's some wonderful illustrations how faith works out there. But your faith will not come, or God, the God-given type of faith, will not come through an inspired testimony. It only comes from the Word. Everybody say, from the Word. Now, that's when God takes the logos. Everybody say, the logos. That's a Greek word, which means the written word. That's when God takes the logos of the Word of God that is right there on your lap, and for, through your desire to meditate, to embrace, to adhere to, and accept that word, God takes and turns that word into what the Bible calls rhema, a living word. Remember when Mary said to the angel, uh, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That's the word rhema. Remember when, when, when uh, Jesus said to Peter over in Luke chapter 5, he said, uh, cast the net on the other side and you shall find. And Peter said, uh, Master, we've toiled all day. Nevertheless, at thy word. That's the word rhema. That was a living word to Peter. I see, I've been fishing a thousand times. The guy says, we're not catching anything. I'm going to cast on the other side. I didn't catch anything on the other side either. So why? It wasn't a word to them. It wasn't a word. They were just aping and imitating something they saw in the Bible. Amen? So you've got to make a decision to do what? To allow the Word of God to find a place in your spirit. That's where it starts, in your spirit. Then as you renew your mind with the Word of God, through what? Through meditating upon the Word and confessing. You say, why confessing? There's so much taught against confession. You're not part of that name it and claim it, are you? You're not part of that blab it and grab it. Absolutely we are. We see it in the Word. We name it. We claim it. You say, what do you mean? First time I saw salvation, I named it. I said, I want salvation. I claimed it. How'd you do it? I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth. You say, then what'd you do? I acted on it. 
You say, what do you mean you acted on it? There were things I quit doing, places I quit going, things I started doing, places I started going. There was an adjustment in my behavior by the supernatural ability of God to allow the new creature to rise up because the old creature was now dead and gone. Amen. Amen. A lot of people never make it past that point. They come up to the altar and they, and they, and they give a, you know, they pray the, quote, sinner's prayer. Walk out the back door, you never see them again. All they did was just say words. Mentally ascended to something. But if you truly believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, it's going to have an impact upon your human spirit. And all of a sudden, your motivations, the motivations of your heart are going to change. And you're going to desire God more than you desire sin. That's a whole other subject. We'll touch on that later. So, the principles of faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Primary way faith is released, confession. As you meditate upon the Word and speak the Word. Now, what have we said for years? It bears repeating. You allow your mouth to feed your heart faith when you don't need it. So your heart can feed your mouth faith when you do need it. Just, let's just take one healing scripture. Take uh, 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 who hath delivered us? Uh, 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 Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, which could be the power of sickness, power of disease, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So, you know, for six months you've been walking in your prayer time, lifting your hands up. Worshiping God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I agree your word is true. You said in your word you delivered me from the power of darkness. You said in your word you translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. Oh, I'm so thankful, Father. I worship you for that. I thank you for that. Every day I thank you for that. And so every day, every day, you do the same thing. Every day, every day, you do the same thing. And then in six, six weeks later, six months later, all of a sudden these symptoms start coming on your body. So now you don't, you don't, you don't say, well, God, I thank you. God, I thank you. You delivered me from the power of darkness. You translated me into the kingdom. No, now you turn and you speak to the symptoms. You speak to the pain. You speak to the disease. No, 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 no. You're not coming. Flu, you're not coming on my body. Pain, you're not coming on my body. You're not coming on my body. Amen. No, you're not. It is written. That's exactly how Jesus did it. He Now, remember this because we get so confused in studying Jesus. So much of the Christian world thinks Jesus was deity upon the planet doing God stuff. Well, he healed someone. He's doing God stuff. Well, yeah, we, I agree that's God stuff. Well, he walked on the water. That's God stuff. Well, I agree that's God stuff. Well, he, well, 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 he fed 5,000 with just a few fish and a few loaves. Well, I agree that's God stuff, but he was not a God on the earth doing God stuff. He was a man on the earth in correct relationship to his God. Amen. Doing what men should do who are in correct relationship with their God. We'll touch on that later. Amen. Now, but did not mix it with faith. So you can be what? You can be believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Amen. But if you don't mix it with action, that's where the, that's where the issues are right there is what do I do. What, what do I do? Because if you will just notice in your own life, just, just take the word, Set it, set, it, set it aside. Everything else spiritual, just set it aside. Everything in your life, 
You have and you are. Now listen to me very carefully. Go, go think about this. Go meditate on it. Everything you have and you are is because you believed it, said it, and acted on it. We're in, we're, we're in uh, on vacation uh, probably about 10 years ago, Costa Rica, probably about 10 years ago. And so we went on this, uh, this snorkeling trip on this sailboat. And, and had a good time, and, and, and Breland got seasick, so she was probably, what, eight at the time, ten at the time. And, and on the way back, she fell asleep in my lap, which was probably, what, a two-hour trip back from this, this beautiful cove they took us to. And so here's this guy, and he's a universalist. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a well, you know, God is the clouds. God is the ocean. God is the mountains. God is the trees. No, he made it all. But that's not what he is. Amen? And so... He was talking to him, and I was trying to witness to him, tell him about the Lord. And he, he just, well, you know, you never know. You know. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so I just couldn't get, a, couldn't get an angle on him. You ever witness to somebody, couldn't get an angle? Then all of a sudden, he began to tell me the story. He owned a business in San Francisco. And he said, you know, my wife and I, and actually my father-in-law and mother-in-law, and my mother and father, we all worked in this business together. And it's killing us. Driving the highways. He said, we'd, we'd, we'd try to take weekends off. We'd end up working all weekend. He said, it was just consuming us. And he said, a guy made me an offer. And he said, when this guy made me an offer on my business, I began to think about, because we had been on vacation. He said, we came on vacation down here. And we saw these, this land that was for sale. And we knew we could build condos and a restaurant and a little place to do this. And we could, we could buy a couple of sailboats. And we could just move down here and not have to live like that anymore. And so he started talking about it. And so I said, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. I said, do you mean to tell me that one day you were driving down one of those freeways in San Francisco after the day that somebody made an offer on your business and you begin to think about moving to Costa Rica? He said, yeah. Yeah, I begin to think about it. I said, well, I, I'm going to tell you the next thing you did. He said, well, he looked at me kind of funny. I said, I'm going to tell you the next thing you did. He said, what did I do? I said, you told someone about it. He looked at me like I was crazy. He said, you're exactly right. I went home that night and told my wife, I think we're going to sell the business and move to Costa Rica. And I said, I'll tell you what else you did. He said, what else? I said, you started talking to everybody in whose lives it affect. You begin to talk about it. You begin to express the idea. You begin to build a, quote, faith. And, and, and he was like, you're right. And I said, I'm going to tell you the next thing you did. I said, what was that? I said, you acted on it. He said, you're right. He said, I sold my business. He said, we took the proceeds. He pointed over toward the beach. He said, see those two buildings right there? Those are two, uh, four condos in each one. And we've got a little uh, thing in the middle where we do, uh, uh, can do food. And I was talking about what it was. And I said, that all began in you. And it came from the inside to the outside. I mean, he was shocked. And I said, spiritual things are the same way. I said, God puts something in you by His Word, but it must find its way through the outside by believing, speaking, and acting on it. You'll never do anything in life without believing, speaking, and acting on it. It's because God made us that way in His likeness and in His image. Amen? Now, let's just take Island Church because 
we're believing God to build a greater dimension of a spirit of faith corporately. We've got a great assignment to build a building. God's blessed us with land. We've come this far. Actually, this year, uh, the, uh, our 15th anniversary will be what, Sunday? Well, isn't it Sunday? It will be our 15th anniversary. So we, uh, when we left field ministry, we just went and started praying. And next thing you know, we had a couple of people that came and started praying with us. The next thing you know, we had 10 people that were praying with us. The next thing you know, we had 20 people that were praying with us. The next thing you know, we had 40 people that were praying with us. And actually what we were praying about is when to do it. Not what to do. We already knew what to do, when to do it. And when God spoke to us when to do it, we did it. Or else we'd still be in that prayer meeting. We'd still be in that prayer meeting. And then we get big into prayer. Okay, Lord, we got into one hotel, little hotel room, and it out, we outgrew that, outgrew that hotel. Had to go, where'd we end up? At Tremont House, somewhere like that, where we could hold enough people. Then we knew, well, we need to go to a location. We, had, we, need, we don't need to be doing this in, in, in hotel bar. And, and, you know, there's always people, bless their hearts. You know, a guy came to me and said, oh, no, 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 you can't leave. The, the, the only church that will ever be built on this island We'll meet in hotel ballrooms. And I looked at him and said, how are you going to build a, a, a church in a hotel ballroom? It's hard to have services during Mardi Gras. Hard to have services during Biker Rally. Hard to have services during Dickens. You've just, you just, you just cut out about six weeks of your church's operation right there. So we found a building uh, over on 45th Street that belonged to, uh, uh, what was that lumber yard that was there for so many years? Pretz. Richard Pratt was our land was our landlord, and, and so we we leased that building, signed a lease, and started paying our monthly uh, lease. But it was a year. It took us a year to get in there. And the reason it took us a year is we didn't have the money. And the reason we didn't have the money is we didn't have any faith. Amen. So we just started doing what we knew to do. Every Saturday, the men would meet down there. We'd work, do what we could do. But in the meantime, I started teaching on faith, and the church started giving. And then at right, it's just like you flipped a switch. I was out in California. We needed about $120,000 because we had about $50,000 worth of air conditioning. We didn't have any, There's nothing there. There were no lights. There were no nothing. It was just, just, just just nothing. So I was out in California, and my cousin, uh, Joey, they run, a, they run an air conditioning heating business out there. And so uh, uh, I'm out there, and he said, he said, because his parents had been out there and seen the building, and he said, when are you going to get in that building? I said, ma'am, Joey, we're believing God. We're just believing God. He said, do you need air conditioning? I said, yeah, we do. He said, it's on the way. A week later, a truck pulled up at 45th Street, with all the air conditioning we need, all the, everything we need, all we had to do was have it installed. It cost $13,000 to have it installed. And it's hard to find an air conditioning company that will install air conditioning in which you have not bought the equipment from them. Very difficult. Well, we begin to pray. And we begin to act in faith. And we found this old Vietnam veteran, and he was fixing to sell his business and he said, you know, to save me the hassle of having to get all that equipment since it's already here, I'll do it. Remember that guy, Leah? And he did it. Did a great job. And it was like 
in a six-week period where we had been dormant for a year. In a six-week period, we just walked right into that building. Chairs, air conditioning, lights, carpet, everything that we needed. And outgrew it in a month. And so there was a the southern contractors had the had I think it was a, a, a 2,500 square feet on the end that was a, a an office and all of that. And so I walked in there and Mike was sitting in there and, and I walked in there and said I said I need your I need your office I need this building and he looked at me and said preacher I'd have to have the money for all my improvements and there's no way there's no way you could pay for that. I said well how much do you want? He said five thousand dollars. I said I'll be right back. And I went and got a check for $5,000 because we had it. You say, why? Because we'd been believing with our hearts, confessing with our mouth, acting in faith. See, how were you acting in faith? We were tithing. We were offering. We were giving to missions. We were doing all we knew to do. And when we walked, I walked in there with that check for $5,000. He looked at it. He turned about as white as the cap on that bottle. He said, I'll be out in 30 days. Amen. Same thing happened to this building. You say, why are you saying that? Because as it works in the church, it'll work in your life. The, 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 the first house Lee and I bought, you talk about crazy. God can do crazy things. So this is just Lee and I, you know, she's still got, she's still got her business, I'm, and I'm traveling building our field ministry, Rusty Martin Ministries. And so God spoke to me and said, I, I, I want you to buy a house. And I'm like, oh, boy. You know, we had rented for, what, six years? I think our first rent was $250, and then we rented a really nice house for like $400 a month. Had a pool and all this stuff, and we were real comfortable there. And the Lord said, uh, uh, I want you to believe me for a house. So I did the math on how much money we had, and I remember taking Aaliyah to see this house over in Lamarck. Now, gentlemen, this will help you if you ever do this. And, uh, and so I, I took her in here and walked out in the backyard, I mean in the, in the front yard in the driveway, and I looked at Leah and I said, well, what do you think? And this is what she said. I could live there. That's a no. That's a no. Amen. And I'm like, oh, man. And so, you know, I said, well, what do you want to do? Well, the Lord put on our heart to move for us to move back to Galveston. I was from here. She had been here for many years. And so we came over here. This is when, I know you've heard the story before. This is when we went with the real estate agent to look at houses. Ten houses all over the island. Anywhere from, I think it was from $75,000 up to $150,000. Now, this is way back in, in what, 92, 93, right around there. 92, 93. So we're looking, looking, looking. And so all of a sudden we pull over and, and Lee and I are just sitting in the back seat just laughing, just laughing, laughing, laughing. And the real estate agent, it was a real estate agent and, a, and, and, and somebody they were training. And they turned around and they said, let us in on the joke. And we said this, it ain't no joke. We ain't got no money. Well, they didn't laugh. I said, it ain't no joke. We ain't got no money. And so about a week later, I think it was about two weeks later, it was a weekend in which we had meetings around here, so we were able to be in church at our home church. And for some reason, we lingered out in the parking lot, and I saw a car leave, go around a corner, and back then where we went to church, the road, all the roads were dirt roads go around the corner, and I could tell they were turning around because you could see the dust come up, turn around, and came back, pulled up, and asked us if Lee and I wanted to go to lunch with them, man and a wife. We said, yeah. So we went to lunch with them, and they said, 
you know, the Lord has really been putting on our hearts to sell you a house. And we're like, really? And so they said, we want you to come look at this house. So we went to this house that was a crack house. It was a crack house. And we're like, oh, my God. And so they begin to talk about how, look, we're going to help you do this. We'll help you do that. It needed air conditioning and all this kind of stuff. And long story being made short, within about six months, this house that was a crack house was totally restored. This beautiful, what, they, what do they call that? Uh, uh, Victorian. This beautiful Victorian antique house. Totally restored. Beautiful fence around it. If you want to go by and ever see it, it's on the corner of 39th and Avenue P. Right there. Beautiful little Victorian home. God totally restored it for us. Moved us into it. So when all, this, all the smoke had cleared, I went to these people and said, how much do you want for the house? Because they told us, yeah, just give us whatever you can. I said, we can't do that. How much do you want for the house? He said this, I don't know. I don't even know how much you paid for it. So we did an investigation, and five people owned the house. Five people owned the house. And we're like, okay, praise the Lord. And so we didn't really... We kind of thought, well, okay, we'll just, how are we going to get out of this thing? About a week after that, my dad called. You know, everybody knows Papa. He says, I got a notice of such and such bank being foreclosed upon, and they hold the note on the house that you guys are living in, and I can buy that house for 30 cents on the dollar. I said, buy it. So dad bought it. And we went and paid off all five people, went out and got ourselves a mortgage, paid my dad off, and got into that house. How long did we live there? Five years, six years? And when we sold it, when we walked away from the closing, we were very happy. You say, why, did you, why are you telling us that story? Because we continued... To act in faith, act in faith, act in faith, pray. Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, when I heard that there were five owners of that house, my heart just sank. I thought, what have I got myself into? I'm going to lose all this money from restoration. I'm going to lose all of this. What am I going to do? And the Lord just gave me rest. Everybody say rest. Because he saw us in that house. Now, let me just say this. When we moved in there, that neighborhood was crazy. Down the street was a bar, and a guy came out in the parking lot on a Saturday night and killed five people. The, the, the gunfire at night was, I mean, not just, not just the, the pistol, the automatic gunfire. It sounded like we were in Beirut. There were crack houses all around. So we just began to pray. We began to intercede. And by the time we left, that neighborhood was so peaceful it was one of the most desirable neighborhoods to live in on the island. You say, why? If you will act by faith, God will step in and take over on whatever you're involved in. And whatever you're involved in, you've got to make a decision. Lord, how can I mix this with faith? What do I do? Now, let me say this and I'll close. Here's where most people's hesitancy is. But what if I, do, what if I, what if I hear from God and do something and it doesn't work? 
You will. You'll start out that way. You say, what do you mean by that? You'll get it wrong a dozen times. Then you'll get it right. Now, here's the problem. Why in every endeavor in life are we willing to get it wrong, 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 until we get it right, but we're not willing to do it with spiritual things? Well, those are the most important things. You didn't just jump on your bike and ride it down the road. You ended up with a scabbed up elbow, scabbed up knee. Amen. You didn't hit the ball out of the park first swing. You didn't do that. Amen. I mean, every endeavor of your life, you learn from the, from the arena of failure into success. Come on. You didn't start a success and just stay. No, you started out and it didn't work and it didn't happen. And you didn't hit the ball. And you couldn't throw the ball. And you didn't ride the bike. And whatever it was in life. But you just stayed with it. You just stayed with it. till all of a sudden, next thing you know, it just became a part of what you were doing. And that's the same way it is with spiritual things, especially faith. If you will make a decision, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stick with it. Now, here's the key. When it doesn't work, when you fail, don't get discouraged. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. But it doesn't take very long in staying in the Word and praying till you get it right. And I believe we're living in the exponential curve of time where, 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 where it took years for people to get it right. Now it only takes months. Where it took months to get it right, now it only takes days. Where it takes, took days to get it right, now it only takes a few hours if you'll just get into the Word, get into prayer, and obey what God puts in your spirit. And mix your faith. Amen? Excuse me. Mix what God speaks to you. Mix his word. What, what would you see when we first started? His word is designed to what? Profit you. Profit you. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. Profitable. Did not profit them and them that heard it, not being mixed with faith. So what's the key? You've got to mix the word with your faith. And when you mix with the word with your faith, God shows up and does something supernatural. Amen. Lift your hands and thank Him. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. Thank You that every person gets an answer on how their faith is to operate and that they will mix the Word with their faith. Hear the voice of God in their heart and spirit and act on what God has said for them to do. And we thank You in doing that. Supernaturally, You will touch their lives. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.